Hey friends, it's Coley. I hope your week is off to an amazing start and it is so much fun to have you hanging out with us today for another episode of Still With You. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. And today on the show, I am speaking with a friend who has a genuine heart for reaching young people. She believes in the power of the gospel and that it can change everything within Generation Z and beyond. Gabrielle Odom is 19 years old, born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but currently living in the great city of Dallas, Texas. Early in her young life, she embraced that God was pursuing her through His grace, and He radically transformed her heart by the power of the gospel alone. Today, Gabrielle is a Bible teacher, disciple maker, and evangelist passionate about reaching all people with the gospel of Jesus Christ through the teaching of the Word of God. I love this quote from Gabrielle. She says, let's chase His holiness to the ends of the earth. Let's seek paths of righteousness where it feels like none exist. Let's go here, near, far, every space and every place to share the name of Jesus. For I am convinced that God is holy. His word is true. He can be trusted. And there's no better mission to commit our lives to. This year, Gabrielle will be speaking at Consecrate 2021, a two-day conference held in Dallas where young people from around the nation will gather to worship, pray, and seek God's face. A generation gathered in an act of unity, surrender, declaring their lives to be wholly consecrated to God. You can join Gabrielle Jenny Allen, Matt Chandler, Grant Skeldon, and many other carriers of the message for this in-person and online event, October 15th through 16th, 2021. Grab your seat today. Tickets will no longer be on sale at the end of this week, May 31st. As you know, I always have so much fun speaking with every single friend who comes on the show, but this episode is so special to me. Gabrielle and I recorded the day before Good Friday. As you know, the season of Lent is so sacred to me, and this conversation feels the same. She is a leader that I look up to. I hope that you hold 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 12 in your heart as you are listening to this, not because she is young, but because she is teaching the Word of God. Get excited, friends. It is my honor to welcome Welcome to Still With You, evangelist, disciple maker, and Bible teacher, Gabrielle Odom. Congratulations on surviving and graduating in 2020. How has it been for you post-year? What's this look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Even my senior year of high school, that was like a whole funny thing because I ultimately thought I was going to go to college. Like I thought that was going to be what the next faithful step was for me. Yeah. And had been praying a ton about like, hey, is college just the Americanized view of obedience? Like we just, do we just all go to college because we've like somehow deemed that that's what obedience looks like. And so therefore we all need to go do it. Wow. Yeah. I think for most people and for a lot of people, it is the next faithful step and it it can look like obedience, but prayed a lot about what the Lord would have me do and ended up in Dallas, Texas, which is really funny. But I think graduating high school during COVID 
was a funny thing to honestly not have as much closure as I wish I would have and yet got to trust God in that and be dependent in that and trust that where he had me was exactly where I was supposed to be. And so moved to Dallas in August and it's been really, really sweet. Why did you choose Dallas or why did God put Dallas on your heart? Have you figured that out yet? Yeah, that's a great question. Because you're originally from Minneapolis, right? So it was it was like a stretch to get there. Totally. Yes. I born and raised in Minnesota. I love Minneapolis so much. And the Lord has been really kind and faithful in that. Dallas, it's been fun because I truly, I tell people all the time, like I, there's never been a decision in my life that I have been more confident was like 100% of the Lord Mm -hmm. than being in Dallas. Just to give a little context and background. High school for me was like, I wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. Like eighth grade was when I would say I surrendered my life to the Lord, knew he was savior and Lord. Therefore, like my life had to bow and surrender. So high school became like, hey, this is my mission field. Every set of eyes I look at lies someone who either knows Jesus or they don't. So that has to change. Did you go to public school? Yes, went to public school. So, and especially in Minnesota, like I was surrounded by people who hated God, wanted nothing to do with God. And I had this message of the gospel that I truly wanted everyone to know. So high school was telling everyone about Jesus. Never thought I would go into ministry ever. Even when you are, you like your words, I treated high school like a mission field ministry and kind of like mm-hmm. that, oh, this is the calling on my life. That never entered your mind? I guess vocational ministry. Like I, I knew for the rest of my life, the Lord would commission me to share the gospel with people because right. that's like the commission he's given all of us as believers. But I just thought that for the rest of my life, the Lord would pull me into secular spaces to tell okay. people about Jesus. And I think junior, my junior year of high school is where I felt like the Lord was confirming like, hey, I'm going to ask you to equip the saints. Like I'm going to ask you to actually drag along believers, wake them up from their like slumber and their apathy and encourage them and fight for them to live more sold out for who I am and to live with righteousness and holiness as their aim. And so I think what the Lord has now more commissioned me into is like, hey, get around the church, fight for the church and equip the church to love me, to revere me, to fear me, and to serve me. That was where I knew the Lord had commissioned me into vocational ministry, felt a call and a passion on my life to teach his word and to evangelize to everyone and anyone. I just fell in love with my Bible and wanted people to know yeah. that. And so in that, sorry, the long story short, how I got to Dallas. Bring all the long stories where I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. How I got to Dallas was I knew the one thing I was certain of as it pertained to my future was I just knew I wanted to teach the Bible. Yeah. That was like the only thing. Didn't know anything else about what it was going to look like or what the Lord was going to do in the meantime, but knew I wanted to teach the Bible. I started to pray about what it would look like to be equipped in that. I think I just saw this lack in my generation and even in the in the church like I saw a lack in teachers of God's word as it pertained to just their knowledge of sound doctrine and their yeah. knowledge of hey what is biblically accurate what what reflects the heart of God what is consistent with scripture and I think there has been a generation that has just like thrown out a ton of flashy comments and retweetable quotes, things that might feel good, but aren't consistent with what God's word said. I just had a longing in me 
to redeem that. Like I so desperately want the church to know God's word and to not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every wind of philosophy, but to cling to what God's word says. And so there's a a residency program that I'm doing currently through Watermark Church, which is how I got to Dallas. But uh, (laughs) it's basically a one-year program where we're just studying God's word and um, falling more in love with who God is and what his word says, what it would look like for the church to look more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ended up in Dallas and I'm just studying my Bible every day. It's been really sweet to see the ways that the Lord has used this season and this year to just conform me more into the image of who he, he is and I think further establish what he has commissioned and called me to do as I seek to just be a co-laborer and a partaker in the gospel. Like I have people ask me all the time, like, what do you do? Like, what do you think that God's going to call you to? Like, what do you see yourself doing in five years? And I'm like, all I know is like, I'm going to be a Christian. Right. (laughs) I love Jesus and I don't know specifically what it's going to look like, but I know I'm going to be a co-laborer with God and a partaker in the gospel and a evangelist, but not because it's anything glamorous at all, but because I want to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow him. So that's what I feel called to do. Yeah. Every time I listen to you, I even wrote it in my notes. You'll see it. It says humility. Like, I Mm. feel like you carry such humility, which to me is such a rare thing. Mm. But hearing you say that of like, I'm going to pick up my cross. All I know is I'm going to be a Christian in five years. You are a norm breaker, like in the name of Jesus. And I think it's so refreshing. But I wonder, like, do you ever sometimes where you even were describing like college, like you wondered if this is, you know, your view um, or just your your understanding of kind of looking at college, which I'm, I'm like, do you ever feel like scared that you are? How do I say this without? I don't want you to feel like I'm like attacking any of your, But like, are you ever scared of how you're perceived? All throughout high school, people have thought I was crazy, you know, so I, it's just not something that throws me anymore. Like, I think I have known for a while that the life in which I believe God's called me to is just not going to look like everyone else's because ultimately, like, I just, I want his glory. I want to like fight for the things God cares about. And I want to live like radically different. And I want to live with a kingdom and an eternal perspective. And so when we start to live with a perspective that is of the Lord and of the kingdom, like it just will start to look different than the world and even different than some Christians. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that like, oh, people who go to college aren't living with a kingdom perspective at all. And same here, just for the record, everyone, (laughs) I'm a college graduate. (laughs) For some people, it is what is the obedient, faithful step and they can make college or mission field and tell everyone about Jesus and maximize it for his glory. But I think for me, as I started to pray about it, it was like, okay, Lord, I like know what I would want to do, help my unbelief, conform my desires to what you desire for my life and help me. May your spirit guide me in such a way that I would walk in what your will would have for my life, like what is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans 12, 2 is a life verse for me, but well, Romans 12, 1 and 2 and really one and two speaks of like in view of the gospel, like in view of God's mercy, that we would offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, that that's our true and proper worship. And then out of that worship, 
that we would not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind so that we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is good, pleasing and perfect will. I want my life to live by that, that in every season, in every decision that I would, in view of who God is and the gospel and his mercy, that my life would bow and surrender as a living sacrifice and that I would not conform to what the world is doing, but be transformed and, and discern what God has for me and what, what God's best is and what would uh, bring God the most glory. Well, you're doing that so well. <laughs> people definitely think I'm crazy to answer your question, but um, I'm pretty sure people thought Jesus was crazy too and, and crucified him to a cross because of it. Something that our friends don't know, I found you through Instagram, mm. which I'm sure you probably get that a lot. Like, hello, it's Brie. Like you have that many times. What happened to me when I saw your profile, it was like, it was one of those where it was like, if you follow this person, you might like, like to follow this person, you know, but here's what was different. So I followed you, took a screenshot of your profile because of the sentence that you have in your Instagram bio. And for our friends listening, your online presence mattered because I was reactive when I saw the sentence that you have in your brow. I'm not kidding, Gabrielle. I took a screenshot of that. My family has a group text, sent it to them. I was like, this sentence is literally wrecking me. And actually, even before I sent it to them, I sat on it for quite a while because I was like, God, like, what does this mean? My husband and I lead a group of college students and I took it to them. Anyway, I need to share the sentence before I continue on. But you have written in your Instagram bio and it just says, I refuse to entertain myself with the things God went to the cross for. I just had to sit with the Lord in that. What did that mean for me? And I think it was just because that sentence is so bold. And like we said, it's so countercultural. Sometimes like I just believe you need just a good like kick in the butt. Hey, wake up. This is reality. Like you are claiming to be a Christian. Like what are you filling your IV and that goes straight into your spirit, into your mind, into your eyes. And like, I needed that. Thank you for being obedient to share that. I'll repeat the sentence one more time. And then I would love for you to explain that and like why you even put that there. Um, but it just says, I refuse to entertain myself with the things my God went to the cross for. I'm so grateful that that ministered to you and encouraged you. And it's like really sweet to just hear that the Lord uh, was glorified in that and the Lord was exalted in that. I mean, I can't even tell you. I think the moment I got Instagram, that was like the the one thing I wanted it to say. I don't think my bio has changed since middle school or whenever I got it, maybe eighth grade. Really? Oh my gosh. Do you get that a lot then? Do people like ask you about that sentence specifically? Yes. I've gotten asked questions about it, which is really sweet because like truly, I think I got Instagram maybe in eighth grade after I had like turned my life to the Lord. I I had told my parents, I was like, I will only get Instagram if this like can be a means for people to hear about Jesus, you know? Yeah. And I wanted that sentence to mark my life. When I think about that sentence, I refuse to entertain myself with the things my God went to the cross for. It really comes from a heart posture of like, <laughs> if there's one thing you hear, it's like, I, I pray it's that I like love God and mm. I want to see God's holiness and his righteousness manifested on this earth that like heaven would invade earth. And I think when we have a right view of the holiness of God and the righteousness of the gospel, it leads us into a posture that desires and only by the Holy Spirit's initiating this in us. Like it leads us to a place where we want to throw off everything to follow him. Like I think about 
yeah. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that we wouldn't just throw off sin, but we would also throw off anything that would entangle us and that we would run with perseverance, a race marked out for us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Yeah. Posture of our heart when we follow Jesus is like, Lord, rid anything that is defiled in me, like rid anything in me that does not look like you because you are just that good and just that holy and you accomplished sin on the cross, not only accomplished and defeated sin, but you you rose from the grave, therefore proclaiming victory over sin. And so yeah, if I believe you are good, if I believe you are holy, if the gospel has transformed my life, then everything has to change. And so we don't just get to throw off the sin that might seem, I don't know, we, we don't just get to throw off what we would deem the big sins, like yeah. uh, pornography, lusting, comparison, all these things. Like we, we throw off everything, like anger, envy, anything in me that Christ died for. And so I think I live in a generation that uh, we are really lazy towards sin. That's why I, I use the word entertain, like, we treat sin like it's just this like fluffy thing that isn't as disgusting as it really is. Like I think we just love to be entertained by our sin because we're comfortable with it. We don't raise the bar of righteousness when it pertains to dating or when it pertains to um, what movies we watch yeah. in regards to what music we listen to. And I'm just like, I'm just convinced that God's holy. Therefore, I'm I'm convinced that those things that we just have become complacent towards are apathetic towards like we need to throw away because I think of second Timothy two, four, where it's really just this call to be a soldier who does not get entangled in civilian pursuits for his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And so like, let's not get entangled by, by civilian pursuits. Let's not get entangled by being entertained by our sin or the patterns of this world. Let's seek to please our commanding officer, like a holy God who has enlisted us. If we want to serve him faithfully, it looks like throwing off all things, having a right view of the grace and the kindness and the justice of God, and then our life responding in obedience. I believe the gospel is the best news ever, if it's true, and I believe it is, but if it's true that Jesus died and resurrected from the grave, then everything has to change. We just don't get to be the same because the gospel begs of us to live differently. And it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. So like what my word for the year is remove. Mm. I'm still learning like God is definitely doing some removing, but I'm also learning on like different levels of what that looks like with him. That sentence has been in your profile since eighth grade. And like, I know the friends Mm. that I follow and I'm like, how have I not met Gabrielle yet? But it's the Lord's kindness that would say, Hey, this is a sentence and an idea that I want you to grab onto this year. And that's going to help walk you through some weeding, some, you know, uprooting of some things. Anyway, Mm. I just think that's like, so cool. Like the Lord's like timing and all of that, but also for our friends who hear that and they're like, okay, do I need to erase everything that's in queue in my Spotify playlist or like my Netflix? Do I need to leave a group of friends once we hear the Lord convict us and like his kindness that leads us to that place where pins like, what's our next step? Like, how do we walk through that? That's a great question. I love that. First thing that comes to my mind, is it First John 1, 9, maybe somewhere around there where it says, if you confess, he is faithful yeah. to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, something like that. Anyway, I've been meditating a lot on like, Lord, help me identify things in my life. Like even back to the Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, like help me identify things that not just are leading me to sin, yes. yeah. but are slowing me down from following you 
exactly. Like the music you listen to, it might not be black and white sin, but it might be slowing you down. Like you could even say that about like your screen time. The Your phone is not sin, but the amount you spend on it could yeah. be slowing you down from following Jesus. To the, I don't know, the high school boy who's like playing Fortnite. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> they're not sin but they could be slowing you down from faithfully following Jesus or the your boyfriend like you in a relationship that might not be sin but it could be slowing you down from running faithfully and so in high school uh, there was friends of mine that were uh, distracting me from being all in my relationship with Jesus and that doesn't mean that like hey, I had to pick up and abandon them yeah. but I I did for me and and where I felt conviction like did have to spend a lot less time um, hanging out with them because, yeah, they weren't encouraging me and spurring me on to love Jesus more. And so I would say like, hey, we need to identify what could be sin in my life that I've just become comfortable with. Yeah, I'm not choosing to confess and repent. And then I would say like, and we serve a faithful God who has promised that when we confess that he is faithful yeah. to forgive and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Christian life is a life where in response to the gospel, we are constantly in this process of being sanctified as the spirit is completing the work he started in us, as he is like continuing to remove sin, chip away out our sin in order to purify us, to cleanse us and to make us look more like him. So I'd say next step is to maybe identify like what could be sin that is in like hindering me from following Jesus. And then what are entanglements that are keeping me from running faster? It might be asking yourself the question, like if it's music or if it's a movie, I always have to have the response of like, it's not a question of is it right or wrong, but is it wise? Yeah, like right. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, I think talks about, sorry, I'm always like, it's around there. Talks about like to live not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time for um, the days are evil. And then talks about discerning the will of God. But what we see there is like, I mean, might we live in, in response to the gospel such that we're not just concerned with what's sin and what's not? How could I live my life in such a way where I'm pursuing wisdom, I'm pursuing holiness, I'm pursuing righteousness? Like, this is a quick example, but I always have friends asking me, like, is it okay to kiss in dating? And my response is always like, why are we so concerned with what's sin and what's not versus like, how can I most pursue purity? Because I think if you're most concerned with pursuing purity and you're most concerned with pursuing holiness, then making out like that goes out. That's not even an option. Like if if you are like most concerned with how can I like glorify God in all that I do, reflect righteousness, reflect holiness. I just don't think that sitting on a couch and making out with your boyfriend is even an option. If you are most concerned with glorifying and exalting God, then I just don't think that watching an R-rated movie where there is like content that is not glorifying to the Lord like I just don't think that becomes an option or filling your mind with with lyrics to a song that does not edify and sanctify you then it just becomes less of an option instead of asking ourselves like what's sin what's not what's good what's bad might we be like so in love with God and so in love with his holiness that instead we're asking like, how can I please you? How can I serve you? How can I be look more like you? How can I glorify and exalt you? Be more obsessed with who Jesus is than what right. we would like for ourselves. Be more obsessed with heaven invading earth than 
how can I get by with like with sinning or how can I get by with tiptoeing mm-hmm. to the edge of the cliff? Like instead of just trying to get to the boundary of sin, yeah. like flee and pursue God, have a correct view of the gospel such that you want to run with perseverance and you are looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith, not dependent on how you can muster up good works or how you can present yourself more righteous, but allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your heart in such a way that his name is glorified and his kingdom is revealed here on earth. When I was praying about our conversation this morning, and I felt like the Lord led me to First Timothy four twelve, and it's not for the obvious reason of that says like do not that I'm young. <laughs> yeah, it's not, but it, it's not about that. I was like, okay, God, I was like, that feels so too obvious for Gabrielle. He led me to like the following sentences, not to say that one's more powerful than the other, but it's so significant. I feel like with what we were just talking about, and also even like with what God has called you to. And so I'm just gonna read it real quick. It says First mm-hmm. Timothy four. 12, it says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church and encouraging the believers and teaching them. I'm so glad that the Lord highlighted that because I think like so often we love to put that like, don't look, let anyone look down on you because we're young and almost take that out of context to think that you can have this like, this like haughtiness to be like, oh yeah, I can do anything in the name of Jesus. Like, yeah, but the following of that verse says to be faithful. And that's, I've listened to you speak and that's something that I know so um, near and dear to your heart and like just to be faithful. And I've, I feel like you're doing that so well. And so I just want to encourage you and thank you for being bold and being countercultural. I was thinking about some of the things that you have coming up this year. And I'm like, man, I just want our friends to get behind and pray for you as you challenge and move forward the kingdom. Well, thank you for saying that. And that like ministers to me so much and even challenges me today. Like, okay, today, what could it look like for me to set an example for believers and to be faithful? And just know that encourages me because I think, I think something I can be quickly discouraged by with my generation is sometimes I feel like even in the, in Christian's Today, I'm like, I think sometimes we just want enough of Jesus that would get us Mm -hmm. to heaven, call ourselves a Christian. But I don't know if often we like want enough of Jesus that would lead us to be convicted of sin and to spend time each morning in God's word and to pray and fast and to be faithful with community and with believers around us like I think sometimes our our bar for being a disciple is pretty low like to the extent where we're like I want to be saved but I don't want to be a laborer for God and so even you reading that verse I'm like oh I pray that I pray that over our generation that like we would set example in all those things in faith and in purity that we would be faithful and that we wouldn't just like just seek the bare minimum minimum of like I confess that he's Lord and I believe that he's raised from the grave but that we would in response to that seek to live in such a way where people would just when they would see followers of Jesus their immediate response would be like to fall more in love with God you know and like how crazy cool would that be if we could look back in 10 years and look back on COVID and look back on all this the racial injustice and look back on just everything in society and be able to say like hey the church was found faithful Mm -hmm. like the church was found faithful in that it's going to take a lot of repentance it's going to take a lot of abiding in the vine. It's going to take us just surrendering. It's going to take families who are being equipped with the word and teaching their children God's word. It's going to take a church that 
is concerned with the purity of of the bride, a church that is allowing the spirit to lead them to be faithful. I dream and I pray over that a lot of, hey, what could it look like for us to be found faithful? And so I'm encouraged by you and just your pursuit of truth, your pursuit of people wanting to know God, like that encourages me a ton. So. Oh, well, girl, I literally am just like, (laughs) cannot get enough of like your teaching in my life. We can talk for hours. <laughs> yes. Uh, and um, there was something I was going to share with you that you speak on often. And I kind of just wanted to be like, okay, when Gabrielle says this, I have evidence to prove it. Is that that you often will talk about how, and this is a whole nother conversation, so I'm just going to keep it real short. But like you often have talked about how often the millennial generation is patterns of the world. We've kind of brought in, like you mentioned, like the flashiness into church and how we think that often like that, like giveaways and like different things are going to lead to salvations when really all we are is just hungry for the word. Two years ago, my husband and I started leading a college small group. This is horrible, but this is true honesty. I was more concerned at the moment about what I, how I was going to feed them than like how God was going to feed them spiritually because that's what I thought what mattered. As soon as like the semester kicked off, I realized like it didn't matter. It did not matter at all. And they are the most hungry group of young adults. And it is ministered to my heart just to see that like we literally can open our Bible. I, in saying that, I'm even like, well, obviously, Coley, like, you know, like the, the word like satisfies every need, like every hunger. But like, I was so quick to be like, well, we're going to need this and we're going to have to do this and all these. When we open the Bible, we didn't even need like right now media. We just literally were like, we're just going to go and see what the book of James says and all these things. And they had so many good questions and it was so refreshing. So I just want like when people hear you talk about that, I want to say like, yes, I literally don't even live in the same state as you. And like, I'm watching this play out with this generation. Yeah, that encourages me because I think what you described I mean, it describes a lot of churches, leaders. I think people feel this tension and I'm, it's encouraging to hear how you're like, oh, I can confess that like this, I I thought that this was going to be what would get people through the door. And, and I know what is true that like God's word is live and active, doesn't return. I think there's so many leaders today that fall in this ditch where uh, they just think the next generation like needs to be entertained. They need 500 free Chick-fil-A sandwiches to whoever shows up. They just think we like need all of these flashy things to get us through the door. As I read the scriptures, what I come to find is from Genesis to Revelation, God has this grand rescue mission that he is enacting that will prevail no matter, like no matter what mankind's response is. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see God continuing to dwell among his people, continuing to reveal himself to people, continuing to preserve a remnant for himself to save and to reconcile humanity. And and we see obviously that initiated them through the gospel. And we get to be in this in between where we are awaiting the second coming and we are awaiting the return of Jesus. And in between, we get to be faithful, trusting that God will continue to preserve a remnant and a people for himself. That's what excites me is I saw in high school with just ministry I got to partake in is like, it just didn't matter what the next flashy thing was. Like once you seek God in a posture of prayer and fasting, like I just watched hundreds of high schoolers saved and not because they were showing up for the flashy thing, but because the next generation, they want truth. Yeah. They want community. They want clarity because the world right now is really confusing and it's plagued by a lot of relativity. 
and a lot of sin the church has done is they've tried to make Jesus too cool. Like they've tried to make church like this really cool, vibey, relevant thing. Guilty. Biggest guilty person right here. <laughs> there is a degree to like First Corinthians 9 of like becoming all things to all people and like meeting people where they're at. And so I'm not saying like we should just like meet in a cave and <laughs> tell people about Jesus. Like I, I love when churches have this heart. We want young people to be welcomed here and invite. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But in that not compromising, saying the hard things or, yeah. or just allowing the word of God to speak for itself, because the word has been breathed out by the spirit and it's, it's profitable and it's useful for teaching and for rebuke and for correction, all these things. And so I think like often we just need to allow the word to speak for itself. And we need to allow God to do his thing, exalt himself. And sometimes we we try to get in the way of that by filling it with these aesthetic programs and these awesome graphics. And like those can all be used for the glory of God. But the pursuit should be like, how can we first display the gospel? How can we hunger for God and for his will to be done? How can we exalt his glory? And and how can we like teach his word in such a way that people are compelled to Jesus, not compelled to like the Christian activity. And I think yeah. that's something we've kind of messed up in Western Christianity that I'm praying the Lord continues to redeem because man, you see the church like exploding in China and in the Middle East. And it's because they're not concerned with who's the platform preacher on stage or who's the flashy TikToker or what cool music can we get? Like in those countries, they're concerned about Jesus and they are obsessed with Jesus and the holiness of God. Like I heard Francis Chan say a couple weeks ago, as I was watching If Gathering, like he was just sharing, like, I don't know how he how he worded it, but something along the lines of like, a mature believer can sit in, in prayer and their only utterance be holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, oh, could I say that about myself? Like, do I actually like love God in such a way that I could sit in his presence and my only utterance be holy, holy, holy. And I, I long for that with my generation that we wouldn't just try to fill a, youth group with flashy lights and fog machines, but that we would sit in silence Mm. and believe God's holy and that we would teach God's word in such a way that we weren't trying to add a ton of like cool bottom liners to it, but that we would allow God's word to just speak for itself because it's been breathed out by the spirit. Do not be discouraged if you literally have tap water in the word, like serve it, (laughs) serve it and run with it. (laughs) They'll show up. And people will come to know Jesus because he's God. And Uh that's like, Gosh, I, and that's where I find so much hope and so much, like I get to rest there knowing that God is God. I'm not. I just get to be faithful in whatever means he calls me. And that like, yeah, that really excites me, which is really sweet. <laughs> Let's talk about this upcoming year. So I just heard the news drop about Consecrate. It's coming in <laughs> Dallas. So yeah. tell me all the details. I'm so excited for you. I mean, this is not your first event, clearly, like you're a veteran at these things. But like, this is exciting, especially I think coming out of this year of everything being online, which it is available online, I just learned. Like our friends can literally join for like $15. It's like, you guys made it so easy. This is so exciting. So tell me more. I can go on about this for so long. Basically, it's me and my friend Luke kind of have had the vision for this. And it's really encouraging that you've even heard about it because that's something we need to do a better job at is like, I love to suck at social media. So uh, can I submit a complaint? <laughs> yes. 
where is your website? You need like a website for us to like connect with you. We have a website and it low key. Are you talking about my personal website? Your personal website. I just, we literally just launched a new website as of like a week ago and it's in my bio. Oh, okay. Awesome. All right. I've emailed Gonzalo before this and I was like, Hey, where's her website? He's like, we're working on it. (laughs) I know. Not a complaint. That's the fact of just, I was like, how has she done all these events? And like, I am can find her in one spot. <laughs> that was like the whole thing. I pushed back for a long time. I felt like I just didn't want, I didn't want anything that could like in one, in just even a degree feel like self-promotion or any of that. And that's sweet. I yeah, I had definitely. a lot of people then finally say what you're saying of like, we know your heartbeat isn't to just like throw yourself yeah. out there and have everyone want to like book you at events and all this stuff. But genuinely, if you believe that like you want to teach God's word and that he is holy and good and all these things, like it's also not the worst thing to just have a place where people can like even know, like know what your heartbeat is and how to whatever. That has been something that over the past year and a half, like I was like, I do not want a website that feels so not me. Like if people want to find me, like God's going to do it, you know, type of thing. I love your heart. Literally, I cannot stop smiling. You're so sweet. All the more reason of like why people want to book you and why people want to like be around you is because that's like the heart of the father. Like that is so the heart of the father to be like, not about me, like about serving others and about Jesus. Well, that's so encouraging. Tell me more about this, the event coming. About consecrate. Yeah. Yes. So I, I shared this, but for a long time, I felt like, okay, okay, I, I want to teach God's word. And for me, like ministry, like I, I love getting to teach and speak and podcast and all. It's all so fun. I think the bulk of ministry for me is where I get to serve in my church and getting to meet with girls and doing discipleship life on life. Like that, that's ministry. All the teaching, like that's a part of it. But the bulk of ministry for me is like, hey, how can I faithfully serve my local church? Mm-hmm. In that was praying a lot about big picture. What are the places I see my generation lacking in? And I I shared a lot of this already in this conversation, but about a year ago, I guess like February of 2020, I was sitting in 2 Kings 22 and 23 and just reading about King Josiah and what we see there. So high level view, what we see happen in 2 Kings 22 and 23 is that obviously Israel is crazy, corrupt, walking in rebellion. Israel does not fear God. They do not revere the Lord as the one true God of Israel. They are disobeying his commandments and defiling their bodies, defiling the word, all the things. What happened? happens in chapters 22 and 23 is that King Josiah, upon hearing the word of the Lord, he hears God's word. Then he repents in fear for who the Lord is. Then he seeks to bring reformation to the people of Israel. And he brings reformation by restoring the word of God in the land of the people. And then we see revival break out and then Josiah dies. And then Israel goes back to sinning. I was super encouraged. And this was right before COVID, which was then also funny because I think COVID exposed like who everyone's God was. Like, is your God time? Is it comfort? Is your God, um, money that will preach yes it exposed even this like first kings 18 and 19 where elijah is confronting the prophets of baal and saying like hey sir either either serve baal or serve god like stop limping between two opinions and so in all of that like i think my generation is like constantly limping between two opinions where we like want to serve 
the world and then we like act like we want to serve God. And and you, you just don't get to do both. You either serve the world or you serve God. And so as I was reading Second Kings 22 and 23, I just was encouraged of like, hey, what could it look like to see a King Josiah revival in the degree to which we are hearing the word of God, allowing the word to be proclaimed. And in response to hearing the word, we are repenting. We are bringing revival or reformation to this generation. And we're bringing revival by restoring the word of God in this generation. And so started to pray a lot on that. Meanwhile, my friend Luke, he lives in Nashville. He's praying on these things. We're like not even communicating, but the Lord is like literally giving us these exact same, just same thought process, same heartbeat. It's just been fun to see what the Lord intends to do. And so just to share really quick, the heartbeat with Consecrate, we want to see a generation that is wholly devoted to the Lord. Like we want to see a generation that is not like, I, I shared this already, but I want people to leave Consecrate October 15th and 16th, not just saved. I want them to leave as laborers for the gospel. Like as Matthew 9 talks about like, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Like I want to see laborers sent forth in this generation. And I was reading in 2 Corinthians 7, and I'm going to read it really quick. Verse 1, because I was like, oh, this is so our heartbeat. But 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And that's what we want to see. Like we want to see a generation that loves God, fears God and obeys his word and seeks holiness and righteousness. And so we're praying for righteousness to sweep through this generation, that we would be a generation that wouldn't bend to culture, but we would bow to the Lord. We have lots of dreams. Like right now it's an event in Dallas. The Lord's really stirred on my heart. Just like, Hey, what could it look like to bring consecrate to college campuses and call college students to live for more and to stop like hitting snooze on their faith, but to wake up to the reality of who Jesus is, the the urgency of the gospel, and to live differently in such a way that people would drop everything to follow Jesus. Yeah, We have like big dreams. I think I have studied a lot on just the Reformation, the first and second great awakening, like these historical um, movements we've seen happen throughout the world and throughout this nation. And not that we need a third great awakening. I'm praying and asking God, hey, what could that look like? And if there were to be a third great awakening, I've been asking God, like, Lord, not that you need me, but I would love, like, God, if you would have me, I'd love to be on the front lines. Like, I just don't want to be on the sidelines if there is a great awakening happening. I want to be on the front lines. I want to be fighting. And that might, being on the front lines might look like being in my closet in prayer and on my knees. Being on the front lines doesn't have to look like being on stage. It could look like being in my closet and praying, but whatever is going to happen, I want to be a part of it. I believe that God's that good and holy, and I believe his mission is worth being a part of. So that's the vision, but I I, like in praying, it ministers to people that people fall more in love with God and are committed to throwing off everything to follow him. So who knows? We're dreaming big. We have so many ideas. Ideas, but the heartbeat is really just the gospel. I'm so excited. Like we're probably going to do this like traditional Browning house style where we'll put it on this TV and we will we'll have more than tap water, but like we'll probably just invite our college students or whoever. We're just like, come over, like come over and watch. I saw the lineup. I'm like, you have some awesome voices. We have been prayerful 
about who we want to be a part of it. And so like Jenny Allen and Matt and Jenny are amazing. Jenny's a good friend of mine. And we wanted to be people who carry this message. There's a lot of speakers and teachers of God's word who could teach a message on holiness and on righteousness, but we want people who are carrying this in their day-to-day life, who are living in a way that is for the exaltation of God alone. That's, it's really sweet that you even asked about it. Oh, how could I not? Like you said, like the gospel changes everything. But when I think about consecration, I feel like there's this textured weight to it of like, it's really for such a time as this and also really put a dent in the kingdom for the better. And so I'm really grateful for your hard work. You talk about being on the front lines. Being on the front lines is an honor, but it comes with a cost. It's hard work. Totally. I just really quickly, like when you said that, I just wanted, I looked up the definition of consecrate. I did I have it in my notes. Yes. It really, I mean, it says make or declare something as sacred to had to dedicate something for a divine purpose. And like, we want to consecrate a generation. Like we want to declare a generation set apart for holy purposes, for divine use to exalt God. I have zero faith in Gen Z. Like I do not believe in the next generation, but I believe in a God who wants to glorify himself and magnify himself. I believe in a God who wants to reconcile and save humanity for his glory. And that is the God that I put full faith in who will restore and redeem and bring people to salvation. But we just can't get it twisted because I think people can hear my passion for Gen Z and think I have faith in Gen Z, but I I just have zero faith in Gen Z. Um, I have faith in God, in a God who has indwelled his spirit in believers in the next generation. I'm pumped about what God's going to do because of who he is and his track record of faithfulness. And so it's an opportunity for us to yield ourselves to the spirit and to be faithful. And so like, we even, Luke and I prayed a lot about um, what it would look like leading up to the event. And, and we decided every other Thursday we were going to host these just like prayer nights over Instagram live. There just is no move of God without a people that are surrendered to prayer. And so wow, yeah. You can put on an event and and people will show up. But um, what could it look like to um, leading up to an event yeah. to call a generation to pray and to seek the Lord? Yeah, we're excited about it. <laughs> I am so excited about it. So I'm going to put all of the information for our friends to find in the show notes. So yes, of course. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention? I think we covered a lot of it. I mean, if anyone hears anything from me, (laughs) let it be that like God is good. He is holy. His word is true and he can be trusted. Like those are the, I think the four things I've come to find about God. And I can get caught up in a lot of theology and a lot of questions. My greatest ditch is doubt. There's days where Mm. genuinely the enemy will whisper these lies of what if when you die, there actually is nothing or like, what if you like actually are putting your faith in a God that isn't real? You know, like I literally, those are like lies the enemy will tell me. And every single day I have to come back to you. Like what I know to be true, what I'm convinced in is that God is good. He is holy. His word is true and he can be trusted. And so even when everything in life feels unsteady or shaking or scary, or my sin is like causing me to fail or causing me to love the world more than I love God or when spiritual warfare is like attacking my heart what I get to do is I get to put the weapons of God's word and of prayer and of community in my hand and I get to fight faithfully because I just am convinced in who God is I believe the gospel is true and I believe it changes everything and yeah yeah, I'm really really grateful for the kindness of God the way the Lord has just 
shown himself to me and brought me to a place of repentance and drawn me closer to himself. And so if anyone is listening to this podcast and doesn't believe in who God is, my prayer is is that we would respond in a place of surrender and that we would open our Bibles and see what God's word has to say about who he is and who we are and that we just wouldn't fall captive to this world or to our sin, but that we would, in view of God's mercy, that we would offer our places living sacrifices and not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the gospel, be transformed by renewing our mind through God's word, and that people would see us and their only response would be to fall more in love with Jesus. I love that. Man, you talk about your focus is Gen Z. You are reaching Gen Z and beyond, girl. I'm telling you. The podcast is called Still With You. It comes from Psalms 139.18 that just says like, and when I wake up, I'm still with you. And it really kind of, like we were talking about earlier, the podcast just really started. I needed to remind myself that God doesn't leave, you know, like he doesn't give up. And so I'm wondering, um, this is just a question we ask all of our friends. You can take it however you want, but where is God still with you? It's a great question. I think the Lord has been really kind (laughs) to reveal himself to me in a lot of ways. And I think something like the first thing that comes to my head when you say that is I've been I've been telling people a lot lately, like the greatest assurance I have in my faith is knowing God is the one who is sustaining and preserving my salvation. When I think about the fact that God is still with me, I think about like the way And we talked about this a bit, but the way he has chosen to dwell all throughout scripture. And so we see God dwell among humanity in the garden. Sin corrupts creation. And then we see God dwell among humanity through the tabernacle and through the temple and through covenants. And then we see Jesus come and the veil is torn and God begins to dwell among people through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. There's this like consistent theme that like God intends to dwell with his people. And so I find great confidence in the fact I know God is still with me because he has promised that his spirit would dwell within me, that I get to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the reason why I'm a Christian today is not because I was a perfect Christian yesterday, but the reason why I'm a Christian today is because I serve a God who is like constantly throwing oil on the fire of my faith. Like it's not that like I wake up every day and I spend time in his word and I spend time in prayer and I fast and I Sabbath and like I'm doing all these things to be with God, but that I serve a God who is initiating things in me to be with me. Right. And I, yes, I get to partake in abiding. If it were up to me and up to my sin and up to my flesh, I would have like got off the train of this whole Jesus follower <laughs> thing a long time ago. Following yeah. Jesus isn't easy. It's not convenient. It's not comfortable. And so if it were up to me, I would have run away from God a long time ago. But the reason why I'm a believer today is because I serve a God who is still with me. And he, he is a God who has promised to complete the work of salvation in me. And he is continuing to sanctify me. He's continuing to show himself to me. He is continuing to dwell within me. He is continuing to rid me of sin, make me look more like him. And so God is with me in small moments. He's with me in the big moments. God is with me when I fall flat in my sin every day. And in a lot of moments, like he picks me up. When I think about running and when I think about abiding and when I think about God being with me, he's not like this angry coach who's like, just keep running. I'm not tired. So why are you tired? Like, just keep going. Just keep going. You stop when I tell you to stop. Like, that's not God. 
God is a God who's like, even though you're tired and even though you don't want to run, I'm actually going to like pick you up, throw you on my shoulder and run with you. Like the Holy Spirit will run with you. Like I'm going to tie your shoes. I'm going to put in your hand the weapons to fight against the schemes of the enemy by my word, by prayer. Like I'm going to be the means in which you get to follow me because I just... Like God knows we won't do it perfectly. And so he says, come to me all who are weary. I will give you rest. Like that is who my God is. He is a God who is fighting on my behalf, even when I am unfaithful. And that's how I'm certain that he is with me. And so I find confidence knowing that when I'm weak, he's strong. And that in my weakness, God is perfecting his power within me. And that I, there's no eloquent words I can muster, muster up. And even my good works are like filthy rags in comparison to God's righteousness. And so God dwells in me. And I see evidence of that by the fact that I'm breathing right now in this moment, by the fact that I'm speaking right now in this moment, I see evidence of his withness mm. in the fact that I woke up today. I got to serve a God that revealed his kindness to me through creation. The sun. This morning I got to be with um, just some friends at church. We were brainstorming different things with our social media, which is funny because I'm not great at social media. But um, <laughs> in that moment, as we sat in prayer, like I heard and I felt the Lord's witness because he is just a God who dwells. Yeah. And he is showing himself through the spirit through his word and through his people. Those are the three means in which I know and I'm certain that the Lord is with me because I see it. I hear it in his word. I feel it. I experience it through his spirit and I'm surrounded by it through his people. I'm really grateful that we serve a God who has chosen to be with us. There's no situation or space that we enter into without the power and peace and presence of the spirit. Like right. For those of us who know God, he's promised that he has all authority on heaven and on earth and he's promised to go with us. Like there's no situation, not one that I walk into without the power and the peace and the presence of the spirit, because that's just who he is. He's dwelling within me. I'm really grateful. So I love that question. Thank you for leaving that with us because it's the reason like I keep showing up. I don't want God to leave me. And I feel like our friends who hang out with us every week here in this, they feel the same way. We just want to know that we'll be okay. And so, um, man, I absolutely understand what you said when you're like, your words feel like filthy rags compared to God, which all of ours are. But man, you do have such a gift and a calling on your life. Since learning about you, (laughs) I have been praying for you and I'm going to continue to. And man, I really do hope that as our friends are like treadmilling or in their car or something, as they're just hearing this, that they will just take a moment to really say thank you to you if they can, like obviously reach out through social media, but like pray for your life. Cause I really do believe like just you're leading consecrate. Gabrielle, you are set apart. And your words, they um, are changing lives and like scattering seeds. Some I'm sure you're seeing that are blooming up and some I'm sure we won't like you, you might never see, but don't think that God doesn't know. And like, don't think that we aren't encouraged even by the fact that you're so brave to just be like, you know what, God, like it's enough that the obedience is enough. And thanks for hanging out with us, by the way, too. (laughs) Literally anytime that I get to be with like another believer, even over Zoom and like talk about Jesus. Like, it's like crazy to me that we even get to do things like this. Like, I'm like, 
it's just such a gift that we like get to live for something more than ourselves. It breaks my heart. There are so many people who are living without the reality. Jesus has like an abundant and full life for them. You know, that like, even while the enemy has a plan to steal, kill and destroy this next generation, that Jesus has a, has a plan and a purpose to bring abundant and full life. I'm excited about how the Lord is going to continue to use this podcast and even the people you're discipling in your life and the people that you and your husband get to minister to. He just has an abundant and full life for us to partake in and he's invited you into that and so i am grateful for your faithfulness i'll be praying for just even this space this podcast but also for the way that the lord works in just ministering your own life it encourages me that there are people all around the nation who like want to be faithful and all around this world we are gonna have to have you back on if we open to we will love it oh my goodness i would love that thank you gabrielle sincerely thank you so much i really appreciate it Is Gabrielle not the greatest? It was so much fun and so encouraging to hear her heart and her story. And she finally has a website, y'all, so you can connect with her. Make sure you go to GabrielleOdom.com or follow her on social media. Hello, it's Brie. She is what I'd like to refer to maybe, and this is my words, but I think it's called microblogging. I'm not sure, but she uses Instagram almost as a blog of things that God is revealing to her and inspiring her. And of course, you're going to find that iconic sentence, I refuse to entertain myself with the things my God went to the cross for in her bio. It's so good. Write it down and consecrate 2021. As you know, I'm going to be live streaming the event, inviting some of my friends over. I'm really excited about this and I hope that you will join. You can find more information at consecrate2021.com. Remember, tickets end at the end of the week. May 31st is the deadline. So you want to grab those right now. Such a good lineup for this event. And I love Gabrielle's heart for gathering young people to become laborers in the field. As always, I want to thank you so much for listening to Still With You. And if there's anything that I can do for you, let me know. You can find me online. My handle is Coley Browning on social media. And my website is the same, ColeyBrowning.com. I'd love to connect with you, pray for you, encourage you, anything that I can. This season has been kind of hard in my personal life. I know that I am not alone in that. It's important that we stay connected to one another. Now more than ever, I have been sending messages to friends saying, please pray for me. I'm going through this. Never be ashamed to ask for prayer or to send something out because it is so vital that we continue to lift each other up through the foundations of the Word of God and by His Spirit. Before we go, I want to thank our amazing friend Gabrielle Grace for sharing her song, We'll Be Alright, from her latest EP, If you would like to connect with her, again, you can find this link in the show notes as well. But GabrielleGraceMusic.net or on social media. Her handle is GabrielleGraceMusic. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Congratulations to all of the graduates out there. I'm so excited for you and your next adventure of whatever that may be. But job well done. Until next time, go out and be bold, be brave, be you. And remember that he is still with you. Thank you.